0: A couple of years ago, uh, Pastor Frank came into my life uh, through a random interaction over Twitter where I asked him to come speak at our church and to pour into our leadership team. And uh, not only did he respond and and do that, he's continued to come and uh, comes twice a year. And uh, maybe we can keep it that way, right? And um, so it's just pretty cool to be on, on, you know, uh, if you saw me update this on, on facebook yesterday it 's you know i 'm flipping the channels and there 's Pastor Frank teaching on the Hillsong Channel at <laughs> yeah, this amazing church where I went to Bible College and just God changed my life and then and then here he is with us with for three services, having spent the whole weekend helping us launch vision builders on Friday night, which is the next phase of our church, and then to pour into our leadership and all our volunteers yesterday, and then to do three services. And then he'll have another meeting tonight with some other key people. I would say that that's a busy man who really loves to pour out everything he has. So when he comes up here, I just want you to know that you are getting one of the best of the best of the best. Internationally, nationally, authored over 60 books, pastored for over 40 years, speaks all over the country. The calendar is always full, but he makes room for us. And um, some of his products are still back there. He doesn't want to take any of it home, so let's buy it all up, whatever's left. There's very little left. Most of it's gone, so make sure you get that as you exit today. But uh, do me a favor. Let's stand up and honor this great man of God, this great friend to our church, and a great friend to me, Pastor Frank DiMazio. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you very much. How many of you, besides the staff, Actually have been here all three services some of you that came back and and you're here All right, if you if you're not staff and you were here all three services Help yourself to any of my free. I'll give you a free book So you just go back and choose any book you want and you can have it (laughs) Remember you've had to been here three times It's been great uh, again to be here. How how many of you in this service are brand new to Grace Avenue Church, like once or twice, but you're pretty new to this church? Let me see your hand. Just wave at me. Anybody in this service, like pretty new? All right, right there, directly in the middle. Great. Well, uh, thank you for being here. And uh, next next Sunday, you'll get to hear the, the bishop himself. And so if you don't like what I do, just say, well, we'll try one more Sunday. And, uh, and you'll get to hear Daniel, and he's a great preacher. Yeah. And it, it's... Uh, give him a hand. Give Daniel a hand. And I was just saying, uh, the band, you have a great band. You have a great band. Uh, you, have, you have great worship, but so much fashion on this platform, you know. I mean, these people... They, they're cut above. They plan what they're going to do. I can tell. And uh, even down to the youngest, even Vivian, you know, she, she's 12. I mean, her shoes are cool. Her phone's cool. Her, you know, her her jeans are a cut above. I, I, I know these things, you know. I have three daughters and one son. They're all adult now. But um, I was, you know, talking about fashion and being, you know, connected to fashion and everything. I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm kind of okay, but I'm not kind of okay. At my age, I really don't care what people think, and so my wife's always asked me, "You're a professional. You're a doctor. You need to look. Like, you need to dress like this. You need." So when she travels with me, I'm a cut above. When she's not with me, it's the same outfit. Even though she packed me five outfits, I wear the same one every day. <laughs> you know, I go home. And she goes, "Well, these clothes you didn't—they're not that dirty." Yeah, I'm a clean guy. You know, I just don't. Uh, fashion. I'm. I'm trying to. My son's 29. He's a youth guy, youth pastor guy, and going to plant a church. And he was on staff with me for eight years. Now he's in Seattle with someone else. But I'm going to buy him a shirt, and so I'm at the uh, store, and it's a nice store. And so I find this shirt. Now that Andrew will love that shirt right there. That is a very cool shirt. So I text one of my young guys, who's a real style dresser. He's a pastor preacher. He lives in LA. So I took a picture and texted him and said, Hey. What do you think about this shirt? And so he texts me back and he says, I would only buy that shirt for someone I really, really didn't like. <laughs> and so I text back and said, yeah, it is kind of funny, isn't it? I, just, I was just kind of looking at it, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, That's how far out of the loop I am. I actually thought my son would say, oh, Dad, what a cool shirt. So I showed the picture to Andrew later on. I said, Andrew, what do you think about this shirt? And he started laughing. He goes, Dad, who were you going to buy it for? I said, doesn't matter. It was was kind of a joke. It was kind of a joke, you know. Uh, So uh, fashion would not be my, my top drawer thing. But I do know the Bible. And so... Uh, all the young fashionable guys that dress so cool, they text me every Saturday to help them with their sermons. So, (laughs) it's it's true. Okay, here we go. This is the, uh, by the way, 1230 service. Who has faith for a 1230 service? I mean, we have 9, 11, and 5, for many years, I preach Saturday, Sunday. I preach every single weekend, 5 o'clock Saturday, 7 o'clock Sunday, 9 o'clock Sunday. I mean, Saturday, 5 7 Saturday, 9 Sunday, 11 Sunday, 1 Sunday, 5 Sunday. I did that wow. for 10 years and uh, preached all these different services. And I, I would get mixed up on what I would say and who I was talking to. Did I do that story? Have I been to this church before? You know, it is kind of get you totally lose track of what you're doing, so you just have to go for God. But 1230 service, I'm impressed that you're here in San Antonio at the 1230. Why do you come at 1230? What is it that would cause? Is it because you like to sleep in the most absolutely and get to church at the least? How many would say that's the reason? Uh Aha, aha. Now, I get that. I get that one right there. How many would say because I have a work schedule and this is the best one for me? Nobody. So it has nothing to do with work. It has everything to do with sleep. How many of you that attend the 1230, this is the service you always attend. This is now your service. Uh, that's because you love to sleep in. I do know that about you now. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed that you're here at all. I always say to my people, I'm just, it's a miracle that you're here at all. Uh, so... I'm glad you're here. Now let's go to the Bible. Here we go. Everyone say the word favor. favor. I'm talking about favor today. We're going to talk about seven things. Hopefully I'm going to give them to you. I've not given them to any other service yet, uh, but I'm going to start late. I'm not going to give you all the introduction and stuff I gave them and the beginning verses and all that. We're just going to go to uh, some very, very important facts about favor. Now, favor... I'm going to give you a definition in a moment, and I'm going to quote a scripture and try to stay away from my notes until I have to get to the point, so then I won't take so long. But um, favor is one of those words in the Bible. That uh, is deep and wide and mentioned a lot. It's mentioned under a family of words. So it's not just the word favor, it's the word grace, it's the word mercy. There's a lot of different words that are used in the favor family of words. And the concept of favor, mostly in the New Testament, would be under the word grace. But the idea of favor and the favor of God has to do with the goodness of God. And so when you think about favor, as a doctrine, you cannot separate it from the doctrine of the goodness of God. When I was, uh, I was born and raised in church, my dad was a Baptist pastor my whole life until I got into the Jesus people movement and then went astray you know, with the Holy Spirit stuff. And so the, the, the Baptist thing didn't go so well. Uh, but my dad was a Baptist preacher and uh, had that his whole life. And so for me, I was raised with the ideology, at least this is the feeling I got as a young guy, that God was kind of mean. He was kind of mean. And he was a God that likes to uh, spank people. And uh, he's waiting to get you for what you do. And uh, if you don't do everything right, you have to start over. It's a report card kind of a thing. And you don't skip a grade. You got to pass. I mean, it was was really, whether they preach it that, that way, that's why I heard it. It's I never saw God as liking me. I always saw God as after me. I never saw him really catching me. He was after me. And, and he was always waiting around a corner with the bat. When I came around the corner, he's going to smack me and say, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you right here uh, because you're a wicked boy and you need to get smacked. And so that's kind of how I felt about God. Uh, and it wasn't really until later with the Jesus People Movement, some other things, that I began to unwind some of my feelings. But Um, and understanding about the goodness of God, that God really liked me the way I was. That was hard for me to get to. That was actually unbelievably hard for me to get to. I didn't think God liked me. And I didn't really think God would like to make a good plan for me because the plan he would have for me would be for me to marry somebody ugly and send me to the mission field. That's what I thought. (laughs) You know, that was my fear, is that that's what God would make me do. I'd marry an ugly woman. He'd send me to the mission field, and he would say to me, and that is what you have. That's what I chose you for, and and you're just going to have to embrace it and go with it, Frank. And so that was, even as a young guy with the youth camps, I wouldn't go to the altar because I was afraid that's what would happen. I'd end up with, you know, an ugly woman in Africa. And so this would be... Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but it's, it was really <laughs> what I believed, that God wasn't going to do me good, that I wasn't really going to get something I liked. I really would have to live a life of sacrifice and, and you know, discipline, and I'd have to, everything that's fun is sin. And so I'd have to get rid of everything that fun, even sports, even sports was in those days, kind of looked down, especially if you tried to play on Sunday, you know. And so God for me was not an easily embraceable concept until I really got saved. I wasn't saved in my dad's church, believe it or not. I never got saved. I was religious. I went to church, but I was never born again. I wasn't born again until I got into the Jesus people movement. When I got born again, I changed. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, this is what they were talking about. I was born again, but I was born into the goodness of God, that that Albie, who was a center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels, is the guy who got me saved. And I was a baseball player. And so he was a scout. And I was in his house, and that's how I got to Jesus. And I never met anybody that talked to me like he talked to me about Jesus. And so I met Jesus for the first time, and then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can remember the night I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, Long story there, but the night I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I remember thinking this thought so clear like yesterday. Why didn't anybody tell me about this? That's the thought I had. It's because I, ne- I never knew zero about it. And I thought, why didn't anybody tell me about this? I'm going to tell everybody about this. Because this is unbelievably great. I mean, I was smacked by the Holy Spirit. So coming into an embracing of God for every single one of us, it's, it starts with Jesus loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And that Jesus is for you even when you're not for him. And Jesus loves you when you mess up. And Jesus doesn't love you better and more when you do good and less when you do bad. That was my whole life. More when I do good, less when I do bad. So I got to do good to feel good. But then if I do bad, it's going to be bad. And so God does. That's not the Christ you serve. The Christ you serve is good. Good. He's a good God, and he wants to bring good things into your life, and he wants to break you out of the guilt and other stuff that might get you uh, thinking wrong. Now, the word favor is the word that describes God's attitude towards you. The word favor is the doctrine of love, mercy, and goodness rolled into one concept. It's how God loves. It's how he is merciful it's how much grace he has for you. And that all rolled together is called the favor of God in your life. You can't earn it. You can't find it. You can't, you can't somehow get God to, to favor you. Uh, if you do certain things, that favor only comes through Christ. When you accept Christ, you align with God. You align with favor. And the favor of God is now upon your life. Whether you know it or not, feel it or not, want it or not the favor of God come through the person of Jesus Christ, whom you accept. And Jesus says, and I'm going to do you good. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to do some things that no one else could do for you. And I'm going to do it. And I know you the best. And I love you the most. I know you the best. And I love you the most. That's a great God to serve right there, who knows the best and loves you the deepest. Now, In Luke 4, where Jesus starts his ministry, Luke 4, 16 through 19, Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 61, 750 years prior to Luke 4. Luke 4 is Jesus' beginning of three-and-a-half-year ministry. Luke 4 is from Dr. Luke, the best writer of the four Gospels, in my opinion, who's the most systematic, who used Isaiah the most. He's going to quote Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus in reading in the synagogue so Luke is the one who is writing the gospel and he's saying now this is what happened now when you read Luke chapter 4 it simply says that uh, when Jesus came to Nazareth where he was brought up now Jesus is brought up in Nazareth. There's only 6,000 people, small community. He's a carpenter. Everybody knows everybody. He has a mom and a dad, and he has brothers and sisters. He's a family, and they've been in the synagogue for 30 years. That's what it says on Luke 4, 16 through 19. I'm not making that up. It says that was his habit. That's a church he attended. The synagogue's small, only a couple hundred people at most, And they would have readings in the synagogue and a reader. Well, on this particular day, it was going to be history making and nobody knew it. Nobody knew what was coming. But on that particular day, the person reading the scripture and the person reading the prophecy from the prophet is actually the person that the prophecy is going to be fulfilled in. That had never happened in the synagogue before. So this was one of those supernatural moments Where profit and prophecy, time and supernatural, the promise and the fulfillment, we're all gonna merge in a few minutes' time they were all going to experience something, look around and say, what is going on here? Isn't that Joseph? Isn't that Joseph? son? I mean, is that Jesus the carpenter? Why? I mean, his virtues, what's, what's going on? They felt it. They couldn't explain it. They didn't know how to do it. Uh, but what happened is the promise about the Messiah that he would be the healer of broken hearts and that he would open the, the doors of the captive and help the oppressed go free and, and all the things that he would do, it was Jesus' job description. From that minute on, for the next three and a half years, it would be open heavens, and that prophecy would be his job description, and the people that would come under that would would actually be touched with the virtue, and they would be healed of a broken heart. They would be healed of their blind eyes. Their cripple would walk, and even the dead would rise from from the grave. And so, this was Jesus in this room. Now, the people in that room had no idea that this was going to happen. It was just another routine Sunday service for them at Grace Avenue Baptist Church or Grace Avenue. <laughs> Pentecostal church or first assembly or the Fourth, square, whatever. It's just another Sunday, another day we come to church. But could I just kind of put in a little plug for you today that maybe this verse being fulfilled in your ears today and being for you where Jesus says, after he reads his job description, he says, and this is the year of favor. Look at Luke four nineteen and the last line of that verse where Jesus says, and this is the year, King James would say the acceptable year of the Lord. Other translations will say this is the year of the favor. And one would say, I mean, there's a different translation, but it's all the same idea, where Jesus says, this is the beginning of the year of the favor of the Lord, known as the year of Jubilee in the book of Leviticus. And so when Jesus says that, Fulfillment starts. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before your eyes where Jude says, the calendar has been set. Today, punch in and reset it in God's purposes. The calendar, calendar has been set that from this day forward, you will not experience what they did forever in the judgment days of the Old Testament. There was nothing that would cover the Old Testament with favor and grace and mercy. That was only for a very small group of people at a very uh, unique, specific time during the year. And now Jesus says, everyone who wants what I'm saying, you can reset your calendar and you will come under the favor of the Lord starting now. And that favor will come on your life, and that favor will heal your heart, that favor will open your doors, that favor will give you what you can't do for yourself, if you can just believe it, I've started it, and you can enter into it. Can I say to you right now, sitting here, that if you would just believe with me, and take your finger, and push the reset button, so to speak, in the spirit realm, and in the faith realm, and say, you know what, I believe this is my year of the favor of the Lord, and I believe all the brokenness, and all the stuff, and everything behind me, I'm going to take the same faith those people took, and the same Jesus who same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to take the same faith view, and I'm going to say, you know what? This is my year. Now, you don't have to. You can just say, oh, he's another kind of a faith preacher, better than being an unbelief preacher. Uh, he's just another, you know, kind of a positive, better made a negative guy. Uh, but I think I have enough scripture to hang on to tell you that it's better to expect the best than the worst. It's better to believe the future is better than your past. And it's better to believe that your path doesn't prophesy your future. I would think all of those are great concepts. Can I hear an Amen. Now, everyone say favor. Favor. Here's my definition. hope you take it down. Aligning our life with God's blessing. Okay, I could go off on that. Alignment means it's got to be through Christ. You got that. Aligning our life with God's blessing, grace, and favor that positions us. And this is what favor does with people like Joseph and Moses and Ruth and Naomi and, and start going through the Bible and Gideon and, and all the characters you want to study right through the New Testament, if you will study favor, grace, and mercy, here's what they do. I, I just simply put the word study together for you to say, if favor comes on your life, which it already has if you know Christ, you'll have increased influence. Joseph went from the prison To be in prime minister. I would call that increase. You'll have supernatural turnarounds. Like Elijah in the cave. And like Ruth and Naomi. And like I mean. You'll have limitations broken off your life. Like Gideon. You'll have dreams awaken. Things that have died inside of you. That will awaken again. Come back to life. Come back to life. I've had dreams die on me. When, when I started my uh, uh, education program, you know, I did my bachelor's, did my master's, Old Roberts University. Then I started on my doctorate. And then I took the church in Portland, couldn't finish my doctorate. And one day my wife said to me, she says, Frank, you need to go back to school, finish your doctorate. I said, Sharon, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, I'm just a little busy. With this church and the transitions and the college and 187 people on staff and all the stuff we're doing with changes, I said, I'm overwhelmed with what I'm doing. She says, you are, but you need to get out of this overwhelmed culture you're in and go do something for yourself. Well, you know, my wife kind of prophesied to me and it was like a dream that I said, well, I'll never finish my doctorate. That's for sure. That's gone. I'm just going to have to now give myself to pastor in this church, but I didn't. I, the dream awakened. Amen. Yeah, good. And my wife had already gone to the executive team and said, I think you should pay for Frank's education. <laughs> you know, he gave up this to come here. You guys should honor that. Maybe you should pay for it. I could have paid for it, but I thank God for wise wives. <laughs> And they said, hey, we would love to do that. Are you kidding? We'd pay everything. We get the benefit of it. Yeah, for sure. So she had it all set up. So the dream awakened and went back. I loved it. It was one of the best pieces of my life to go back and get into the educational arena again and start doing my doctorate, talk to professors and study some things. I didn't get a chance to study and get away from all the pressure in Portland. It was a wonderful thing. Dreams can awaken through other people. Sometimes you'll miss it but someone else will get it. And they'll say, go do that night class. I don't have any money to do that night class. I'm talking to a young lady, and I told her, I said, uh, get certified in this area right here because it'll be the open door for your job. She says, I have no money to get certified. I said, I'll pay for it. She says, you'll pay for me to be certified? She said, yep, I'll pay for it. She says, I'm not smart enough. I said, you're more than smart enough. You just have to work hard. A dream awakened again, and her to say, and I could get a better job. I said, you get a much better job, a much higher paid job, and a much more secure job if you will get these things certified. You already got your education, but you don't have those certificates right there to certify you in those financial areas, and I said, if you'll do that, you'll have more open doors than you could ever imagine why. Sometimes it takes someone else close to you to dream for you. It's true. And you need to listen to people that dream for you. Because sometimes you don't see the good in you like other people see. You don't see the open doors like someone else would see. Oh, you should do that because that will. And you can't even see it. Listen to parents and uncles and aunts and pastors and leaders and friends and, and people that might just throw something your way today or this week and say, why don't you do that and increase your influence and your reach and your Life. Amen. All right? Supernatural turnarounds would be another one. Limitations, dreams, missed opportunities, redeemed. I, I would like to preach that one thing right there. And wide open new doors of possibility to come. Missed opportunities. Uh, America lives with regret. It's a big, it's a big emotion in America. Um, but God's the only one who can turn regret into purpose. Yeah. And things that you missed come back around better than when you missed them. Things you messed up. Now, this don't try to mess it up. But I'm telling you, things you mess up can come back around by God's grace better than when you messed them up. Don't give up on yourself and beat yourself up too totally thoroughly when you mess up. And you think it's all gone and it will never happen again. And I can't do that. Well, you can and God will bring it back around. Take down two scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.18. God says, I'll restore you to my favor, 2 Corinthians 5.18. Take down 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, where he says, uh, I want to... When it comes time for me to favor you, I will hear you, I will help you, and I will honor you, and I will favor you. That's a great scripture to memorize, especially if you do it in the GNT translation. It's just a great translation. And it says, I heard you. I heard you. In every service, I've done that. And it takes a little bit of time for me to kind of get you there to pray that. But there's something about the heart that says to God, help me, help me, help me. I don't know how to get around this. don't know how to get through it. I do understand your hands on me. I do understand favor. I I sometimes don't feel I deserve it. I beat myself up a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. I have a lot of failures here, disappointments there. I'm trying to get on the path. And God, you know, I just don't know if I can put all the pieces together. And this verse simply says, And when it was time for me to show you favor, I heard you. And when your heart said, Help me. God says, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it right now. When your heart screamed out, help. I didn't even know what else to pray, Lord. Just help me. Put it together. God says, I was there hearing, listening, and I said, yes. Let's help this woman. Let's help this man. Heal their heart. Heal their brokenness turn them around, give them what nobody else thought they could ever have and, and make them the kind of person they can never make themselves and, and, yeah. and do for them what they can't do for themselves. And God says, and I will, I will heal that brokenness. I'll heal, heal that dysfunctionality, that family tree that you hate so much. I'll turn it into a, a, a message for you. I'll turn it into a, a, a proclamation for you. I'll, I'll, I'll use it for your good. all things work together for good to them who love the Lord are called according to which. I'm going to turn it around and use it for your good. I mean, Naomi, the whole book of Ruth is my study right now because God, what God does with Naomi is that he, there's so many horrible setbacks. It's a depressing book to start. The first two chapters, you think, oh my goodness gracious, what else can happen to this poor woman? She leaves her land, goes over here, has a nice husband, has two beautiful sons. They marry two beautiful women and then up the husband dies. Well, that's horrible to be a widow, and your husband dies. You're still young, and then the older son dies, and now you're totally grieved, and then the next son dies. Now you have no husband, no sons, which in those days, no future, no provision, no inheritance, and no way to retire. That's your retirement. That right there is dead. You have no future, and so she's going to go back, and then, you know, the story of Ruth and Naomi and Oprah and, you know, the daughters and what they say, the one daughter goes, but Ruth says, I won't leave. Nope, I'm going with you. Naomi says, don't go with me. And this is what she says. There's nothing that I have that I'll be able to give you in this life. I went out full and I'm going home empty. That's my life, Ruth. Don't you bank on Naomi, hon. I got nothing left. I got nothing to give you. I have no more sons. I have no more money. I came out full. I'm going home empty. My whole life has been ruined. I've changed my name from Naomi to bitterness. She changed her name from pleasantness, which is Naomi, to bitterness. I mean, this woman... Okay, I'm preaching Ruth. Um, <laughs> but it was all a setup. God sets you up with surprises that look like setbacks. But the setback is a divine setup for a divine surprise that God to pull something off that only he can see that will put you in the genealogy of Christ and put you in a provision that will have more money and more everything than you've ever had. And Naomi at the end would say, and God has visited me and given everything back. Through Ruth, whom she didn't even want around her. All right? I said, okay. How many of you would say, and I have a few setbacks. How many here have a few setbacks? Come on. How many of you would like to believe that your setback is a setup? It's a setup. I'll tell you right now, the difference between a setback that gets you nothing And a setup that gets you something surprising is a thing called faith. Is that you believe God's good. God is in control. And God is able. All right. Because I have only a few minutes, I'm going to these points I said I would give the first service. These are good for you to pray, so I'll just rattle them off, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, these are what I call seven. There's actually eight. Eight um, favorite declarations that you can pray over your life. I pray them over my family, my life, my church, my leaders. Number one, declare that you're positioned for promotion. Start your new favorable 12-month period, so to speak, with Genesis 39 21. And the Lord was with Joseph gave him favor. Genesis 29, 39, 21 in the sight of the keeper in the prison. In the worst circumstance, nothing really should have worked for Joseph, but it says, and God gave him favor. You might have the worst boss in the world, but God can give you favor. You might have the weirdest situation, but God can turn that thing for you. And you can actually see something happen even in a prison, so to speak, where nothing should happen. God is working behind the scenes more than you can see him in the scenes. He's outside your frames. You have your, your camera and your frames and God says, but I'm not in your frame. I'm working in the dark. I'm working where you can't see it, like my grandson and I shared in the other services, when, when we're watching something and, and the animal he was watching now is no longer in that frame, he, he said to me, Papa, I can't see it. I said, well, it's still there. We watch, we watch a lot of uh, animal things on my computer. And our most favorite thing to watch, don't judge me, don't send me to hell for this, but it's, it's the alligators eating people around the world. <laughs> it's, it's a true life, the true life videos Of these alligators eating people. And so when he gets to my house, he goes, Papa alligator. So we go in my office, I pull him up, and here's these huge alligators eating people and attacking people. You know. So Julia walks in, she goes, she goes, Dad, what are you doing? I said, It's educational. This is educational. And then he'll say to me, I can't see it. I can't see. Where the hell I can't see him. And and every time he does that, he's so prophetic to me because I'm thinking, that is exactly how I feel. I can't see it at work. I I see what I see, but I can't see what he says. And because I know he said it, but I can't see it, I'm not sure I'm seeing it. And so I want to see it, but he doesn't let me see it. And why doesn't he let me see it? I'll tell you why he doesn't let you see it. Because he doesn't want your grubby little fingers involved to mess it up. That's why you don't see it all the time. Because you would get involved and say, okay, I can help you now. I got it, God. I I got it. I got it. I know how to work this out. One of my favorite phrases, here it is. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself. If you see a turtle on a fence post, this is deep theology right here. You know it didn't get there by itself. You're the turtle. Life is the fence post. And God is the one who shows you favor when no one can figure it out. When they look at you and say, why would you get the promotion? And you just say, have you ever heard the thing about the turtle? (laughs) What do you mean? Well, you know, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself. (laughs) Duh. Just think about it. God favors people so many different ways. I have so many great stories on these points. That's my problem. My mind is like, it goes on. I just want to tell these stories. But Number two, declare that you're a position for influence. And, and I want you to think that you're influenced. You know, actually, uh, each one of these points could be a whole sermon, but actually influence is the greatest treasure of life. In, influence is the most powerful treasure in life. Whether it's with your kids or with your business, influence. Declare that you're positioned for influence and just give yourself enough time to live out. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Esther 5, verse 2 and 8. Esther 5, 2 and 8. The book of Esther. Read the whole book of Esther like the book of Ruth. (laughs) Because the book of Esther is all about God positioning a person for influence in spite of everybody working against you. Everybody is working against them. But God has a way of the people that work against you and they build the gallows for you to get hung on. They get hung on the the gallows they, they build. So if you work with someone who's really disloyal and they bad mouth and they took your promotions and they and they make the boss hate you and, and they do things in your business, or you work in real estate, and that's the wicked real estate agent that always does something wicked selling the property, but you know they're not telling the truth to people. I'm telling you right now, let them build their gallows. And let them hang themselves. You just give God time to work. Don't judge. And don't pray for them to hang themselves. <laughs> but what I'm saying. Please don't walk out and say. Boy that's a funny preacher. But I, I like him. I'm going to go pray for my boss to hang himself. <laughs> Number three. Declare that you're positioned for blessings. Yeah. And, and hopefully you know this. But the word blessing means to undo with power to succeed. So when we talk blessing, we're talking about God putting on you what you need to be successful. Success in God is a lot different than in the world, but there still are a lot of things that we can relate to biblically about being positioned for blessing. Number four, declare your position for marketplace success. Think about it. Every single one of the apostles were business people. That for Paul, he was the 13th. John, James, Peter, Matthew, Luke, all of them were professional business people. Owned fishing boats, uh, was a doctor, was a tax collector. Declare that your position for marketplace success. Psalm 70, verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord be in our hands. On our hands. The work that we have be in our hands. Also, just, just remember Proverbs 3, 4. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God of man. Proverbs 3, 4. Proverbs 3, 4. You'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God a man. To win favor in the marketplace. You can't just have a good prayer life. You can't just speak in tongues. You can't just have a gift of whatever. To have favor in the marketplace, you have to obey the book of Proverbs more than the book of Joel. You have to be a Proverbs person. What does that mean? You have to understand that God blesses diligence. God blesses work ethic. God frowns real hard on a thing, and you read it yourself. I mean, there's plenty to read in Proverbs about this, a thing called laziness. God says, I, do, I just don't work with lazy people. I, I, you know, that's the guy that gets up in the morning and says, oh, it's cloudy out. I need to go back to bed. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a lion in the street. I better not go to work today. <laughs> oh, there's smoke in my eyes. I can't see where I'm going. I go back to bed. <laughs> this is all in Proverbs. And it says that kind of person is like a person when you chew meat with a broken tooth. It's just, they're an irritation. They, well, you're not going to promote and work with anybody who's lazy. You're going to try to find a way to fire them without being, having to pay all their benefits <laughs> or have to pay their, their unemployment for the next 97 years. Lazy people are a detriment to society a detriment to business, a detriment to the kingdom of God. If you want the favor of the Lord on your life, work hard. Work like there's no tomorrow. Work like there is no God and you got to do it all yourself and believe that there is nothing you can do and it's all God. You got to have both. People say to me, I'd love to pastor a large church. Why would you love the pastor (laughs) a large church? Are you kidding me? It's a seven-day, 24-7, never stop, never end. Work. Work. I worked very, very hard. And even my business people would say, if I did what you did, Pastor Frank, in my business, I'd be a multimillionaire. And I'd say, well, why don't you get on with it and give? <laughs> Do the multi-thing. Yeah. Why? Because I was a hard worker. Up every morning, 5 o'clock, to bed at 10 o'clock, pretty much seven days a week, I still had my times off, but I worked hard. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, God honors a thing called diligence, planning, strategy. Okay. If you don't believe me, just read the book of Proverbs and uh, try to underline, circle. Every time you come to these words in Proverbs, circle integrity, faithfulness, diligence, and working as unto God. Just circle those four phrases throughout the book of Proverbs. Integrity. Faithfulness, diligence, and working as unto God, and at the same time, underline in your Bible every time you come to the word "lazy," laziness. Every time you come to, the, well, it's a study. All right, number five. Declare that you're a position for a spiritual breakthrough. Can I hear an amen? amen. Matthew seventeen twenty-one. Prayer and fasting sometimes is what allows a spiritual breakthrough. But there's also scriptures like Micah 2.13 that talks about the open doors that you can't open through the favor of God. When I think of favor, these are the phrases that I wrote down with Breakthrough. That was Micah 2.13. I think of these phrases right here. What wasn't reality suddenly is. What hadn't worked suddenly does. The unwanted situation or object that was there suddenly isn't there. The relationship that was unloving suddenly, it turns. The job that hadn't materialized suddenly opens. The breakthrough of an understanding in the dilemma, all of a sudden you see it. The answers that you couldn't get, all of a sudden they're right in front of you. Ideas, insights, thoughts, breakthroughs, encouragement, levels, new seasons, doors. Number six, declare your position for new amazing victories. Do not accept your level of defeat. Favor brings amazing levels of victory. Psalms 44, the whole psalm you should read With number six, Psalms 44. Number seven, declare. I love to see you guys work your phones. You're just, uh, geez, you're miracles. It's like you have five thumbs instead of two thumbs. I just am so impressed still. I mean, you're still the fastest. I think if we did a contest you would get the award for the fastest moving thumbs. And again, even last night, I was trying to text something. And I do it fast, but then I have to delete most of it every time. Delete, delete, that's not what I did. Because my thumbs are too fat or something. They hit the wrong letters. Anybody else have that problem that you have to delete your words all the time and the spell check puts funny words? Sometimes my spell check puts cuss words on my phone. (laughs) It's happened. It's happened. My phone is unredeemed, (laughs) and I've sent a few of those to people. Oh my goodness! Only because they know that I'm pure, that they would. One lady, she texts back. She says, "Frank, read the text." She says, "I've been laughing out loud for five minutes. Read your text. Read what you just texted me." Well, I texted her and went on to other things. And I, what do you mean? Just read the text. When I read it, I died. Oh my, it was so funny, but it was so bad. It was so bad. And it was so funny. I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, repent, or just say, Hallelujah, this is a great thing. I did repent. Eight. Did I give you seven? Yes. How do you, I didn't say it, but it was on the screen. Yeah. That, that's the thumbs going. Eight, declare your anointed with a favor anointing. I love that point. I have I could really like preaching that right there. First Samuel fifteen and sixteen, both chapters. I know your trickery. then then someone else comes then someone else comes <laughs> then daniel starts messing with the microphone <laughs> first samuel 16:22 please let david stand before me what a what a fantastic verse for he has found favor in my sight first samuel 16:13 he anointed him and from that moment on favor came on David and that's what Saul couldn't match see? that's why Saul was so ticked off at of David because David no matter what happened he had favor when the women wrote songs they favored David Saul had killed his thousand but David's killed his ten thousand Saul says I don't like that song and when David went out to Play the giant, just a few pebbles, and kills the giant. That's, that's favor. When, when David is in the middle of the war, I mean, every point of his life was something he couldn't do for himself. And God says, But I, I like this kid, my favorite son. And I'm going to do it for him what I haven't done it for you, Saul, because your, heart, your heart's wrong. I'll give you a little hint. Want to walk in a lot of favor, which all of us do. It's a heart thing, not a head thing. It's your heart. How's your heart? Keep your heart humble, teachable, hungry for God. Be nice to people. Mean people suck. Be nice to people. Be gracious. Be forgiving. Don't keep score. Let God favor you. You watch your life just take on a whole new meaning. Can I hear an amen? Okay, people, stand to your feet. We have the worship leader already ready to go. He's a great—he's a great guitar player, worship leader. I like him. I don't like the lights going down when I go to the. I know you go dark back into your worship, uh, but I'd like, I'd like you to lift your hands first of all. Before you lift your hands, is there anybody in this room that doesn't know Christ, is away from Christ, away from God, got beat up, got off track, and you know from the worship, from my preaching, just from your feelings that you need to turn your light to God and get back on track and you say, Pray. Would you lift your hand just looking at me right now? Just lift your hand straight up just say, you're talking to me. I need Christ in my life. Anybody? Anybody need to get back to Christ? So it's a 1230 group, totally a redeemed group. Okay, good. How many of you need some breakthroughs in your life? How many of you would say, I kind of doubt the favorite thing because I get so beat up, but I am going to push reset both hands toward God and just just accept this Lord I pray for spirit of favor to be upon these people Lord I pray for favor to be on men who have no heart for you but you have a heart for them Lord I pray for favor for jobs and promotions and business and financial prosperity relational healing and I'm praying for favor to pop up all around these people's lives Heal the brokenhearted. Bring healing to the hearts of people. Lord, we believe.